So um, obviously I was asked to speak on the pursuit of Jesus. Um, when I was given this word to speak on, I was immediately reminded of the verse in Hebrews 12, verse 2, which says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And in my walk of faith, I pursue him, but I'm not the one who starts or ends the journey, which is a paraphrase of this verse, um, as Jesus being the author and perfecter. Author, he writes and he starts. Perfecter, he completes and he finishes. And this is what I want to encourage us in today, as a people who have been given this prophetic word of pursuing Jesus. I want to encourage us to confidently and successfully pursue him, causing us to be lit up by the transformation that occurs when we fix our eyes on Jesus um, and not be quenched by thought storms that threaten to diminish our relationship with him or stop us growing in him in these storms. To do this, I need to let Jesus start and end my faith rather than me doing it. When I try and lead or start off my pursuit of Jesus, I can run out of steam or effort. When I try to complete or round it off, I can often miss the point of what Jesus is actually doing in and around me. Pursuit is the in-between, the start and the finish, the continuation of where God is leading me and a maintaining of what God has already been, what God has already done, and being aware of what he is doing, no matter what might be going on around me. In the midst of whatever is happening in my life, I know exactly where I am with Jesus, what he is doing in my heart to change me, and seeing fruit in my heart, in the community of believers, and in bringing God's kingdom on earth. If I try and start or author my faith and pursuit of Jesus, I can become dry really quickly as I do certain things expecting certain results or I go through the motions ticking all the right boxes with sometimes little effect. I know I certainly frequently go to Jesus saying, I'm lacking in this thing or I'm struggling in this area, can you sort me out? And although this isn't wrong, it's me starting the process. It's me thinking I know what I need to do. And I often find I quickly fail, I trip up, I get discouraged or even bored. But if I let him tell me what he wants to work on, what he wants to show me or lead me through, what he wants to teach me in the Bible, I'm letting him author my faith rather than me trying to write it. But this only, start, this only works if I let him start and lead the relationship. And I'm not saying I sit back and I don't make a move towards Jesus. Um, what I'm saying is how that happens can look different. So where does the Bible suggest we start in the pursuit of Jesus and letting him author that? In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, For those who are Christians, we with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God lets us see his glory. He has revealed himself to us. Uh, I've lost my place. Uh, basically, in the new covenant, what Jesus has bought for us on the cross is that we can see more of and more clearly God's glory. And glory can be defined as who God is and what he does, so his character and how he displays that character through his actions to us on earth. And if I start from this place of recognizing who God is and what he does first and foremost in every situation, the pursuit of Jesus is a natural progression. It, it almost becomes a bit easier, which, and I'll come on to examples of this later, but I'm going to unpack these verses a bit more first. Contemplating who he is and what he does, so contemplating God's glory like it says in that 2 Corinthians verse, before I even ask 
or think or try and solve a problem or a storm that might be coming my way. Let's him author my faith in that particular situation. And this is where I think we can link these two verses. So one says to fix my eyes on Jesus, and the other one says to contemplate God's glory. And both have similar connotations of looking to and thinking about, and then the transformation comes. But what stops me getting to that point and seeing Jesus? Storms like disappointments, discouragements, and suffering cause me to doubt Jesus, feel shame, or frustration at life, and are an automatic stepping out of the pursuit of Jesus and stepping out of the presence of him. Because none of these are what Jesus has bought for us on the cross. He has given us freedom from these things. Um, he's dealt with them. And staying in them is stepping into my old way of life and continuing living my old life. Looking to God's glory, so who he is and what he does, causes me to turn away from myself and these problems and to look to him and I see things like his wonderfulness, his beauty, his perfection, his faithfulness, his majesty, and the list goes on. And that's his character. But I can also see things which he imparts to us, like his love, his joy, his peace, his desire for relationship with us. I can then pursue him when I allow this to be the starting point. The catch is, though, that I need to keep fixing my eyes on him. And when I take my eyes off, or try and explain away problems, or dilute God's character, or make excuses for his will, or explain suffering. Um, this means that I'm not really pursuing Jesus. I'm looking another way. And another way to describe it is that when you fix your eyes on someone, where do you look? You don't look to their nose, or their ears, or their mouth. That would be fairly uncomfortable and a little bit weird. But we look directly into their eyes. And what do I see when I look in Jesus's eyes? I see his glory, I see his character, I see what he does. I see his love, his joy, his peace, his patience. And this is what keeps me pursuing. This is motivating. And I find him perfecting and completing my faith when I let that be the starting point, when I let him author my faith from that point on. Turning my gaze back to him in an uncompromising way, knowing God's characteristics are also uncompromising, maintains the faith that he has started by showing himself and removing my veil um, of disappointments or distractions or sin that can distract me or take my eyes off him and what he wants, me, wants to do in my life and in the lives of those around me. Psalm 23, I think, is a beautiful picture of pursuing Jesus. It starts by saying, well, the psalm starts by saying, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path. And this is what we're used to experiencing in pursuing Jesus. I know I'm aware of it in, um, I might be aware of the refreshing of my soul in a worship time when I'm in God's presence. I'm aware of that refreshment. Or maybe when I'm praying for something in particular, that I'm being guided along the right path by the wisdom I receive. This is all stuff we're familiar with in terms of friendship and relationship with Jesus. However, the psalm does not stay there. It goes on to talk about when we're in the valley of the shadow of death and when we're in the presence of enemies. And this might be at work, in difficult conversations with family or friends, um, or any life circumstance midweek. Pursuing Jesus and relationship with him is dependent on these times, as these will be the make or breaks in my pursuit of him. 
He has started the process of seeing who he is and what he does. That's that quiet waters, the um, green pastures, the refreshing of our soul. But how do I stay in that place, in the presence of hardships, when I'm no longer by those still quiet waters? How do I keep pursuing Jesus in the presence of my enemies? But more than that, how do I keep growing in the presence of my enemies? And this is pursuing Jesus. I think the order of the psalm is critical in this. After the initial bit of the the nice pursuing Jesus and knowing him in the the quiet, um, still refreshment, we then move on to the dark valleys and in the presence of enemies. But what we shouldn't do is take our eyes off Jesus or stop contemplating his glory in these times. My face isn't veiled by sufferings or disappointments or discouragement. The Bible is clear that nothing separates us from the love of God, not even the presence of enemies or being in dark valleys. So while I'm in those places, I don't fear evil like the psalm says, but more than that, I'm feasting in the presence of my enemies. But I'm only feasting if I choose the right thing to turn to or to pursue, which is Jesus. After I spent time fixing my eyes and resting by the quiet waters, Obviously, troubles and storms and hardships come along, discouragement, suffering. You're probably recalling things that stop you feasting on Jesus or turning your eyes away from him. But the psalm says you can still feast. And these are any of those promises in the Bible that you know about. Um, Some key ones, I think, are in John 14, Jesus says he has left his peace with us. And in John 15, he has made his joy complete in us. And in uh, 1 John 3, it says he has loved us lavishly. And Ephesians 1 says he has given us every spiritual blessing. These aren't just for the nice worship times or the times in prayer. These are what we can feast on in the presence of our enemies and in the difficult dark valleys. And then this becomes the pursuit of him that isn't quenched by storms or hardships or whatever, it, whatever enemy you're thinking about. But more than that, it keeps us growing in these storms. And then we're lit up like this prophetic word was saying. But how do we know which promise to gaze on? To, when we look in Jesus' eyes, how do I know which one to look on? I'm going to go through some examples of where this has happened recently in my life, where I've had to choose to turn to fix my eyes on Jesus. Um, so the first one is a couple of weeks ago, I was, um, so I've, since November, I've been working for a youth work charity, which is based in Bristol, um, but I do it mostly remotely from, uh, from home in Pool. And I spend a lot of time in, on Zoom in meetings and prepping sessions and um, meeting other youth online. And um, we also run residential, so there's a lot of prep for that this time of year. And so it is, is very busy. Um, and the following week, I was going to go to Germany, and then the next week, I'm here. And, and life is just very full with of lots of preparation and, and things going on. And I was told before this particular work day that I'd have two free hours to where my boss was in another meeting, and I would have some free time where I didn't, there weren't any other jobs to do. Um, so I was thinking, great, I've got extra time to clean and tidy and um, just have a bit of headspace and um, do some things I felt I needed to do. We logged on at half eight um, on Zoom like we usually do, and he was said, oh, can you write this report for, for us? And I was like, no, <laughs> this isn't what I was hoping for. Um, and I stopped, well, I was hoping for all of these, to do all these things, and I was like, okay, I'm now feeling stressed. This is a current enemy in some ways. But how do I stop 
and fix my eyes on Jesus in this moment. I could have easily tried to author my faith here. There are so many right answers that could have, I could have done. I could have prayed about it. I could have spent some time in worship trying to get my heart right. I could have just been honest with my colleague and asked for help. I could have just honored my colleague and do the report. None of these are wrong, and they will, all would have had probably good outcomes. But the main problem, I think, for me was that I wasn't really pursuing Jesus in this moment. I wasn't fixing my eyes on him. I was trying to author my own faith, find my own solution to the problem. And the pursuit wasn't far off, but you could say I was just looking to Jesus's eyes or his nose in that moment. I was trying to do something that I knew was right, but it wasn't potentially. And I'll explain that in a minute, why it wasn't quite what Jesus had for me in that moment. So I stopped, and in a split second, I fixed my eyes on Jesus. And what I mean when I say that is, um, in this moment, I could close my eyes, but often I find if I'm in a conversation with someone or at work, um, I can't close my eyes. But what I do is I, I literally imagine Jesus's face in my mind's eye, and I look directly into his eyes. And it's a form of listening to him. I ask him, Jesus, what, what do you have for me in this moment? And I didn't have to conjure up past experience and try and apply that to now. But then and there, I could see Jesus for who he is and what he was doing in that moment. I was letting Jesus author my faith in that second. And in that moment, as I fixed my eyes, I did feel like my dark valley was currently time and busyness. And this might sound trivial. When I say the word enemy, you're probably thinking of like much bigger things in your lives. But I wanted to give a sort of tangible, everyday example that... Um, that can be used in our everyday. And I think, you know, when we can do it in the small, I'm able to do it in the bigger. Um, and when I looked into Jesus's eyes in that moment, I felt him remind me of his goodness. And I felt him just talk to me about how his plan for the next two hours was good, that I could rejoice in his goodness, that anything I didn't get done in these next two hours could be entrusted into his care because he is good. And that wasn't an obvious um, solution for my problem, but suddenly it just, my heart shifted and I was excited for the next two hours. I was full of hope and excitement for what could be achieved. I was delighting in who God was. My eyes were off the problem and onto Jesus. Um, and I knew that, yeah, anything that couldn't be done would be, would be done in his good plan. And I did just end up doing the report, and everything else did get sorted out. Um, and so Jesus' solution for that moment changed my heart and kept me moving and transformed those two hours instantly, but I'm sure it also transformed my heart in that moment. And that doesn't mean in the next situation that I'll think about his goodness, because that was what he said for then and there in that moment of fixing my eyes on him. Fixing my eyes applies to bigger enemies and situations, but I know I need to do it in these everyday situations before I can do it in more serious problems or dark valleys. So to illustrate this further, a few days later I woke up in the morning um, and before I got out of bed, I was already really stressed by all of the things that I thought I had to do that day. And I was reminded of the principle of fixing my eyes on Jesus. So, because um, I, I was in bed, I closed my eyes and I, I pictured Jesus, here, Jesus and uh, looked into his eyes. And I immediately felt God remind me of his love for me, but more specifically, I felt him say, Hannah, I'm jealous for you and for your attention today. God is jealous for, in his love for his people. He wants all of us. But what he was speaking to me about that day was how he is jealous for my thoughts and attention. I felt so loved, and for the rest of the day, whenever I felt a problem or I started to feel overwhelmed by something, I felt a Holy Spirit nudge of, 
But Hannah, I'm jealous for your thoughts and attention today. And it turned my eyes back to him. And I didn't, I still had to do all the jobs, but it just changed my heart. I was suddenly undistracted and I was free and I was enjoying my day much more than I might have done if I hadn't fixed my eyes on Jesus in that moment. And it was the same enemy of busyness and time, but a different solution, which I could have only received through fixing my eyes on Jesus. Then as a third and final example, the next week I was in Germany and I was visiting um, a school friend who had just got married um, with another school friend. Um, and we were staying in a village about a 20 minute train journey away from Munich and we'd gone for dinner in Munich, but we'd missed one of the last trains and we had to wait another hour for a train, um, which would have got us in about midnight and then we had about a half hour walk to get back to a remote part of a village um, in a hotel. And my, we were all a little bit worried and stressed by this prospect because we didn't have a much phone signal. Um, if something had gone wrong, then obviously there's quite a lot of enemies that could be around at that time. We had to walk um, yeah, in, in a sort of dangerous situation. And so I was, you know, one of the solutions was to go back to um, my friend and um, her husband's place. But that's not something me and my friend really wanted to do. So I just asked God, you know, what, what should we do? And I just felt this overwhelming peace that it would be okay to try and get back to the hotel, which was good. But then, so I received that peace and I knew that the plan would work out. But then I felt God, I felt this prompting of how do I stay in that place of peace with God? So I fixed my eyes back on Jesus and I said, Jesus, what, I know you've got, I've got your peace right now. I know you're going to work this out, but can you help me stay in that place? And so fixing my eyes on him and pursuing him in that moment, I felt him say, I felt God say, my favor is on your life. And suddenly I, the peace remained and I knew everything was going to be okay. And I was feasting and meditating on this truth that God's favor is on my life. And I just want to put a quick disclaimer in here that I don't think that's wisdom all the time. I'm not going to do that again. I think sometimes God's best is that we obviously plan and, um, and we use wisdom. So I don't get into that sort of situation again. But in that moment, I felt that in the presence of some enemies and some fears, my heart was um, free from the fear and anxiety around the whole situation. And where my friends continued to stress and to worry and to find other solutions over the next couple of hours, I was just having a lovely time enjoying who God is and feasting in the presence of this, this sort of minor um, enemy, but it, uh, nonetheless, it was an enemy. These aren't just nice stories or gifts I've received, but these are transformative times of pursuing Jesus. If I had chosen to fix my eyes, my heart might have become hard, grown resentment, or just got tired. And I would have not been in peace or joy or love, which I then can, could impart to the people I was around. But choosing to fix my eyes and contemplate Jesus, I've grown in the presence of these enemies over the last few weeks. And I think I therefore look more like Jesus and will be brighter and will stand out. All of this has helped me realize that Jesus authoring my faith is not passive, but it's certainly not overactive. I don't have to find my way to him by myself using past experience or the way that I think I should go or ticking all the right boxes. But in the moment, I choose just to fix my eyes and receive what God has for that moment and then can feast on that and then grow in my pursuit of him. I hope my experience that I've, the experiences I've talked about and the understanding of these verses will help a pursuit of Jesus that is led by him in a freeing way 
uh, one that's less confuse, confusing or one where we're trying to solve our own problems, but one that also bears much fruit, and especially when we're in the presence of enemies. And he'll show each of us the way that we can fix our eyes on him. And I think the summary of these verses or process that helps me pursue him without running dry, but actually grow in adversaries, is, that, is what makes us stand out. People will know that we're feasting in the presence of enemies because we speak differently and act differently, um, which is when we pursue Jesus through fixing our eyes and contemplating his glory and receiving what he has for that moment, which I think will help us fulfill this prophetic word that's been given to us. <laughs>